0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fast Break Podcast. This is Amon Kidway. I'm joined by Patrick Martin. We've got a ton to talk about. Uh, The fellas just wrapped up Summer League a few weeks ago now, but we still have to talk about it. And Dan Hurley and the squad are on their way to Europe, about to play one game in Monaco, two games in Barcelona. Sounds like a nice way to spend uh, a weekend in August, I must say. Still still thinking about flights at this exact moment myself, uh, although I know I cannot pull it off. But uh, we'll, we'll get a chance to hear about the Huskies playing some live hoops, which, hey, at this point with uh, a few months out in the offseason and even still time until football starts, I think we'll take it. Before we get into what's going on with the team, I had the chance to go to the NBA Summer League, um, visit a couple games, saw our guys Sinogo and Jordan Hawkins and Andre and Andre Jackson in action. i I also caught some Tyrese Martin. Uh, did not see a James Booknight game, uh, unfortunately, but for the guys who just joined this year, we did have a pretty good uh, pretty good performance and i think that's that's something to be encouraged about just overall we saw we saw really strong performances from jordan hawkins from Adama Sanogo. in general what were your what were your thoughts and feelings after after summer league patrick well
1: i think it was hard to find james booknight in general you look at some of those box scores and i did catch a few of the the hornets games oof just an absolute deer in the headlights out there, stuck roaming the perimeter, doesn't know when to dribble, doesn't know when to pass, will occasionally throw up a random shot. But yeah, you know, that is Brandon Miller's team over there in Charlotte, and, and Booknight is an afterthought. It, it, it stinks to see you really need him to get out of the Queen City because he just needs a fresh start. As far as the rest, I mean, how cool was it to see? First of all, I am a card-carrying member of Basketball Sicko's Twitter, where Summer League highlights are flying around. (laughs) Social media is popping. It's bubbling those first couple weeks of July. I can't get enough of it. And it was so great to see all these NBA people now talking about Andre Jackson. Yeah, because he really did steal the show, especially with that first game, or it might have been the second game, with the back-to-back blocks, and the um, I think he put he had had a very typical Andre Jackson alley oop. It was amazing to see all of these neutral NBA guys. Whoa, wow, Andre Jackson looks really good. Wow, he, he might be a steal. Wow, he can he can handle the ball.
0: Oh, yeah, no shit.
1: And Jordan Hawkins, I think, had the most seamless of transit uh, transitions as far as he did exactly what he was advertised as doing. Hit threes, demonstrated plus shot-making ability, and very underrated on the defensive side, I must say. He made a lot of steady plays, and I think he might have a, had a highlight real block at some point. I'm not sure. But... And then, yeah, Adama Sonogo, you know his when you watch his highlights, he doesn't you know doesn't make any kind of social media plays, doesn't you know, pop, but he just gets it done. However, you know what does worry me is a you know a lot of his points are putbacks, offensive rebound, get it, put it back up you worry about does that translate to the NBA level when those opportunities aren't there? You know, if he puts up 19 points in the summer league, how many of those points that can he get at on an NBA roster? And that remains to be seen. And that's what we talked about. If you remember with playing with the bulls where we didn't like that because he, they were just going to throw him down into the post and say, do what you did in college that made you the final four, most outstanding player where he will stick in the NBA if he is with a team that is all in on his burgeoning skill set of being a perimeter player, developing the outside shot. We didn't get to see any of, of that. So again, the same way that you hope that Book Knight gets shipped off somewhere else, you really hope Sunogo lands somewhere that is all in on the skill sets that he has flashed, not repeatedly shown, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think for Sonogo, what it is, is he, he had a good outcome, uh, which is that he signed that two-way contract. And I think that'll allow him to do some of both of what you just described, which is he can try and develop those aspects of his game playing on the G League team, just 25 miles outside the city, something like that. And uh, he'll probably get some spot action with the Bulls, I hope, and I think in that case it might be more like what they, you know, what what we saw largely here in the summer league and what you're describing, which was still quite good. You know, he he averaged 10 points, 8.4 rebounds, shot 65% from the field. That's that's really great, uh, Adamo Sinogo. Um, how's he going to find that that shooting ability? That's going to be the gym when we're not watching over the next one to two years really um until then he has to hang on uh and so i think the two-way contract gives him a really good chance of doing that. for jackson i would say that's who i'm excited about the most because mostly because of the team he got picked by i think we kind of touched on that last time just you know it's it's like, it's like Greg Popovich wanting you. It's like, it's like Bill Belichick wanting you it, uh, as much as I hate to say it. And as much as he's actually not that good at drafting. But anyway, uh, you know, it's it's a good sign when a good franchise uh, wants you and also has a really specific vision for where you fit in. So, uh, and and what I saw in addition to kind of the, the highlight reel plays um, The, like you said, the the gaining notoriety and recognition from NBA scouts and analysts, uh, which I think, you know, he'll continue to do, is just how good the situation is uh, with the Bucs, which is that he's not being asked to shoot. He's not even being asked to be the primary creator. He's being asked to be an extra playmaker on both sides of the court and, um, you know, just not be a complete... uh, just try and get up to a competent level offensively checking out the summer league action uh, uh, opponents still are able to really sag off of him and that's that's not great you know in a, in a five-on-five setting which I think is how most NBA basketball is played so uh, I think he does really still have to develop his offensive game to that point of competence we saw signs that he was get really getting there towards the end of the end. his college season and the NCAA tournament. And so, um, you know, he just has to keep working on that, but he's in a good situation. He's a hard worker. He has all the tools. Uh, Love, 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 love all of that uh, about that situation for him.
1: Another thing I'll add about Hawkins, just looking up his stats now, I didn't realize he was a little on the inefficient side. I think he put up and it's summer league you're supposed to fire when you're the lottery pick on the summer league yeah 13 field goals per game and only knocked down roughly an average of four um i think he only hit 21 percent of his shots from three eh, i didn't realize that i didn't dig deep into the numbers and, and to see um i think i just looked at the box score quickly and saw oh double digit points great you know he, he's there um, that's a little bit of the Jordan Hawkins that we saw like earlier in his sophomore year where he was trying to find that balance between, I need to get the ball. like I need to see one drop without completely torpedoing, you know, our offensive flow. That will be interesting. That's a storyline I'm, I'm intrigued to follow that because he's not going to be shooting 14 times with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. So can he go two of five from three? in 15 20 minutes because that's going to have to be his base for his rookie year he's not going to be able just to fire at a clip or else he's going to find his ass down in the d league or g league Mm -hmm. and yeah but you can't really work on your efficiency in the g league because then you're going to have to do what you did in summer league and just fire a bunch of shots not sure how that's going to go but you know it's he's a rookie it's summer league You, you don't want to you know, judge too much off of four games. Uh, but as far as, you know, what you mentioned, you want to say like Sonogo playing time, biggest question. Andre Jackson, outside shot, biggest question. Jordan Hawkins efficiency will be the three biggest questions. And as far as Tyrese Martin, I mean he he filled it up. He was outstanding. Yeah. He I as far as I last checked, he hasn't latched on anywhere. And I guess you just want to monitor that, see if he sticks on a training camp somewhere. I still love his skill set. I love conceptually a 6'6 dude who can guard a couple positions, knock down an open three, and has the NBA body. That sounds great. I feel like someone out there of the 30 teams would want to take a flyer on that. Maybe he's quote-unquote too old. I don't know. So that's kind of the, how you look at the rest of the, you know, the Summer League guys. But overall, I'd say a great Summer League because we have four guys. We're, we, we have a podcast portion in July that is going four deep in Summer League. How many colleges? Five deep. Five deep. Sorry. Five deep. How many colleges can say that right now? And that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's, we like that.
0: Absolutely, and that and that is part of what made this really exciting. So to kind of get off the basketball analysis uh, train here, even though uh, there's there's definitely more to say, but for you know it's just a fun event. The NBA Summer League, it's a good time. You're kind of rubbing elbows with the uh, Juwan Howards, the JJ Reddicks uh, of the world. You're seeing all sorts of coaches and former players hanging around, and I would say. A solid chunk of the summer league teams were coached by their by their NBA, you know, like their main head coach. Um, and if not, you know the guy the guy was there. And uh, occasionally I'd be sitting near assistant coaches, you know, like staffers on different teams, just watching these games, overhearing them talk about you know all all of the different players involved, and um, to share another fun story along those lines one of Andre Jackson's teammates on the Bucks summer league roster is a young, but also old man named drew Timmy. And uh, the, the, the crowd commentary, the coach commentary uh, when drew Timmy tried to make a play, man, uh, you know, it, it sounded like some Yukon fans trash talking, you know, <laughs> like it sounded, these people were not trying to be mean, but they were like, they were like, just like watching him. They were like, The guy just doesn't have it. You know, like, it's just stuff like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's just like, Ooh, damn, that is, that is rough stuff. That guy is trying, you know, but uh, funny, funny stuff. You know, there's, there's uh, future NBA players and then there's Drew Timmy. So uh, that's, that's what we find out in summer league, but I highly recommend it really for anyone, um, you know, thinking about next year, we're probably going to have a few Huskies in, in that mix. You know, we've discussed that already kind of who the possibilities are for next year's draft. And yeah, I mean, with Tyrese Martin really unfortunate, just, you know, he can't, can't imagine you'd be asking for much more from him in terms of his summer league performance, besides to like completely dominate and uh because you know besides to like be lebron james you know in 2004 or whatever but um yeah he got cut by the hawks uh just to get that out there for the pod listeners in case you missed it he got cut by the hawks you know i i do think he he had a regular contract with them a uh not a two-way not a exhibit 10 or any of these other kind of contracts I do think you'll end up on one of those. So, you know, there's the two way, which we've discussed, which lets you the team kind of freely move you back and forth from the NBA and the G League team. There's also something called the Exhibit 10, which uh, pays you like a higher salary if you go to training camp with the NBA team, but sign a G League contract. I think that's, those are. That's you know, what Isaiah
1: Whaley signed last year, correct? Right.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. So Whaley was on an Exhibit Ten last year. He is now probably trying to go for another Exhibit Ten this year. Uh, not great that he wasn't on a summer league roster, but uh, we. He,
1: he was winning championships down in Mexico last I checked.
0: Right, maybe, and you know, maybe it was a financial thing. You know, you never know. Uh, maybe he said, "I'll take my chances in training camp and let me go. Let me go win a ship in Mexico and go
1: that, start a tequila company."
0: Yeah, worst, worst ways to go down. Uh, but I do think that Tyrese Martin's a good, a good candidate for a two-way contract or an Exhibit Ten, possibly with the Hawks. Still, if not with someone else, I think you know he has a lot of things that any team would want. It's not about needing necessarily the roster spot. It's about kind of valuing a a, a veteran and hardworking type presence uh, individual. And then Hawkins, you know, I, I think it's just that he didn't have a, he, he was getting reps in, you know, he's just getting live reps in against NBA type caliber defenders. Just see how it goes. I think he had kind of the least on the line as we discussed before summer league and um it's kind of just played played out like that i think it will be more like what you said where he's he's probably taken four or five shots a game max uh this this upcoming season if he's uh if everyone on the pelicans is healthy so hopefully it's just that he's getting he's getting his reps in he does have to become a more efficient player but uh you know and and Sometimes struggled with that even towards the end at UConn, but I did like what we saw from him in terms of being more assertive. You mentioned his defensive intensity. I thought also even just on offense, like driving to the rim, trying mid range, trying, trying to do like uh, you know something like an around the rim, something resembling an around the rim game. So I think he used his time there in the in the summer league well. Um, you know. Uh, exciting stuff exciting times we will one uh...
1: one more note i'll make about hawkins and and yeah i can move on after that i he he has so much ability around the rim i think this is complete shot in the dark but let's not forget that this dude had two concussions in a year off of hard falls you 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 change how you move your body after two concussions playing a sport Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so you can forgive him for you know because he he did look when he would drive especially in his sophomore year to he he looked awkward a little bit and it's like dude you're these probably the second most athletic person on the court besides Andre Jackson like what why is it why are you so shy for contact then you remember the two concussions and say yeah he's probably still getting over that the longer the more reps he can get like you said without that kind of knock and injury i think you'll see him start to get comfortable and reaccess his athletic tools because he can finish at the rim i mean think about that dunk he had against is it georgetown freshman year uh but i i'm not worried about his athletic ability because thinking about i just think he'll get get over it with the concussion um and as far as next year you have me completely sold i've never been to vegas so as good oh, as time oh, as any
0: oh my goodness let's we'll to, to talk about that
1: to get out there and i know what i'm going to do i'm going to i'm going to go hopefully because you few cons coming off its second straight final four going to go and bring a water cooler and just plop it down Arrested development style say hey have you heard about alex caraban Man, Alex <laughs> Caravan really is—is really is the next Clay Thompson, and just plop it down everywhere. And just, wow, this Alex Caribayn! Can't people are people are coming What's up to saying Pat? People are like Pat, Pat, tell me about Alex Caravan. I, I need to know about him uh,
0: because we just know wear a wear an NBA you know logo polo and just start saying just start talking to Alex yeah, Just
1: pe- people are just keep telling me that just they won't stop. They're, they're 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 clamoring in the streets for more Alex Caraban. Because we know Castle and Klingon, if everything goes according to plan, they will be probably lottery picks. I even saw the Ringer, eh, Ringer, not the best yeah. NBA analysis. They had Castle at number four and yeah. Klingon I think, at number nine. We know what they're going to bring. UConn's season and then obviously Alex's professional life is dictated by if he makes a leap, as what everyone is talking about, and we'll get into that here in a second, sure. he's getting drafted. And I am going to be here and say, I told you all, this dude is not long for stores. So, yeah, just mark all this down. I'm going to I,
0: be there. I have to say, I, despite I have great admiration for Alex Caraban's abilities, I do think it's worth pointing out, you know, though he's he is young in, in um, his NCAA uh, classification, he was like a, you know, did a post grad year. He was he went to IMG Academy. He did a red shirt year, so he's a bit of a he's a bit of an old freshman uh, and an old sophomore. So maybe it makes sense for him a little bit, but I really still did see him as maybe a three or four year guy. I I would have been surprised to hear him uh, hear about him think about him leaving after two, but you know those draft folks know more than I do. And hey, he's a really really good player. He was a starter on the national champions last year he's if he's going to take a big step up from that uh sure I, I I don't see why not but yes I think it is all building up the case to make the trip to Las Vegas I will tell you I have historically not been such a large fan of visiting Las Vegas uh, yeah there I saw. oh
1: it. I mean there's a reason I'm 33 and I haven't gone it's because I really have no interest in going
0: yeah you know, I, I'm I'm not so into gambling. It's not it's not a morality thing. It's just you know I just I'm just cheap. But uh, you know I'm not so into gambling. I, I'm not so into the lights, the you know, uh, thirty five dollar bland dinners, and you know it's 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 got some really great restaurants and stuff like that. But it's also, uh, you know, kind of hard to just be a regular person, uh, which which is a thing I like to do. Uh, that being said this time i had a far more enjoyable time than the other times i had gone maybe it was the maybe it was just the fact that the pools were open and there's uh, some good times to be had there maybe i had just i it's not like i had been there a lot but i i did go earlier this year for work and i was just like not 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 the ncaa tournament uh, unfortunately but for a different kind of work but uh I left just like Ugh, that was lame, and I was not like thrilled, super thrilled to be there. Uh, but I saw a different, I saw a different light this trip, and I think also the city kind of, uh, you know, can step up, rise up to the occasion, even though it's constantly hosting people and really a, a, a obviously a capital of for entertainment. There's something special about NBA Summer League. Uh, I saw Andre Jackson at the casino floor. Uh, not on the floor like gambling. He was, you know, at the food court, um, and so was I. Uh, but but it was it was about 10:15 p.m., which is where it's just too late to to go introduce yourself to a stranger in in Las Vegas, you know. And and you know, I'm wearing like a like a like a printed short sleeve T-shirt. I'm not gonna run up to to Andre Jackson there, but but I did see him kind of roaming through there looking for food. I you see a lot of the players just kind of around the casinos. I saw J.J. Redick at the at uh, the pool at my hotel. Uh, you know, good good times, good stuff like that. And I cannot say enough great things about the environment at Summer League. You know, like, it's just a good hoops, just a good hoops watch. You know, like, uh, there's the Thomas Mack Center, Thomas and Mack Center, which is where UNLV plays, and right adjacent to it is Cox Pavilion. And Cox Pavilion is your classic, just like small arena, but it's so fun in there. Uh, and so I would highly recommend it to any Yukon fan. Of course, it's really, really hot. Temperatures hit over 120 in Las Vegas. Uh, that's pretty high, but it's, uh, it's it's got a good air conditioning culture. So you, you'll be fine, Uber everywhere. Uh, don't, don't walk the streets. Uh, and that's my pitch. Don't walk the streets, hit a few pool parties. No, I'm going to go golf with JJ. I'm
1: going to go golf with JJ Reddick. There's no, no
0: top, no,
1: no top golf. I'm going to hit every nice course. There is there. Oh, yeah. I I hope I hope I bump into him and just. That's it. That would be one of the cool. I I can't believe I'm saying this like 10 year old me would say, what the fuck are you saying right now? but like to play golf with JJ Redick would be one of the coolest in summer league where Mm -hmm. we're both there for a working function. That is, that's the stuff of dreams right there.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I will say WNBA all-star game was at the same time uh, this in this on this occasion. So I did uh, pull double duty there with two UConn players, part of the all-star festivities. So that made it worthwhile. Got to check out another arena. There's the Michelob ultra arena at the Mandalay Bay.
1: Ooh, who doesn't it, like Michelob Ultra?
0: Of course. Well, that is where I hit the pool after the um, three-point contest and shoot around and Mandalay Bay pool, folks. I uh, chef recommends. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, I think I think we've sold it. I think we've sold the, the Vegas trip next year. plenty. maybe we'll uh, like yeah. maybe we'll do it college spring break style. And uh, yeah, start this, selling is, tickets this is this an... isn't. open invite
1: to any listeners. Like if you want to come, the more, the merrier, the more the Airbnb price or the hotel price goes down. So Mm -hmm. if you want to come out there with us, I'm sure we we can give you a task Mm -hmm. and yeah, Come, come one, come all.
0: So, uh, but yeah, this, this year's team to, to get onto that group and what's, what's bubbling with them. We're still what about regret to say this three months away from kind of the first preseason game just you know
1: you know where we are in the calendar we are in the we need to bring up Samson Johnson again point of the offseason
0: yeah just just rehype re reheat the hype
1: I'm pretty sure that that the articles going out are just microwaved versions of 2022 and 2021. And that's no disrespect to Samson Johnson because I've seen videos of the inter squad scrimmage. He looks fucking jacked. Yeah. He looks, he's moving with a purpose. He doesn't look lost out there. He can walk and chew gum at the same time. So, yeah. God, it's like, I can't believe I'm falling. Like, I'm again, where we're sitting here saying, man, this is it. This is the Samson Johnson year um as we've all talked about before if he can be that backup you know what klingon was to Sunogo last year yeah. if they if there can be a passing of the torch there the final four talk gets a lot more real because there is so much talent on this current team perhaps potentially maybe even more than last year's but the difference will be the depth yeah. And that starts with Samson Johnson. That starts with how fast some of these freshmen get acclimated. And can Hassan Diara cut down on some of the mistakes that saw his minutes dwindle from November to April? All of those depth questions are are what's going to be on everybody's mind. But I can't believe we're here talking about Samson Johnson for the third straight year.
0: (laughs) Well, I think clearly we maybe learn a lesson about doing it uh, certain years, but hey, uh, there. there is reason to believe. And he did earn the starting job at the beginning of last year and only lost it really due to injury. Uh, and then just was not really able to reclaim it because how could you when they're crushing teams by 15 plus? Uh, and then this, you know, freshman Donovan Klingon is emerging while Adama Sinogo is is also out there. So I think a lot was was working against uh the samson john johnson emergence um including just some bad luck uh last year as it relates to this year i think you can put stock in how he looks in the fact that he has bulked up in the fact that we're not saying samson johnson the answer at center we're saying the answer at being another two-headed monster at center again which we saw how valuable that was Uh, 14
1: 15 minutes a game a couple of putbacks a couple of blocks maybe an occasional three and that's it if we if you get that you, you sign up for that every day
0: exactly and so John Rothstein was at UConn practice recently and gave us some nuggets of information I was positive we were going to get a Samson Johnson, buy stock now tweet in, in the vein of what you were saying, just like, you know, uncreative, just kind of be like, oh yeah, this guy. Or even, you know, like even less than that, be like Donovan Klingon, buy stock now or something like that. Alex Caravan. I, I was expecting something like that. And John Rothstein dropped a little surprise on us. Oof. Telling us to watch out for Solomon Ball.
1: Uh, Save free little nugget there.
0: Levels. Can score from all three levels, Catino Mobley vibes. Oh, I want to
1: excited. I want to, I want just to observe his brain and those neurons firing <laughs> when he accesses the Catino Mobley aspect of his uh, game. Oh, no, no, not just Catino Mobley, Catino Mobley slash Delante West.
0: Yeah, good, good. Like,
1: Oh, and, and it's so funny because when I found out he was on practice, I put his tweets on alerts because I I was at the gym and it was like, all right, I want I want to get in, I want to get these, and the first couple ones were just kind of like you said they oh no wait no that was the first one, yeah, that was his first tweet because the rest were weren't really news to to sickos who are following every scrap or morsel of UConn stuff. Donovan Klingon big yes now two eighty five Nope, I'm gonna get to that later. Um, bench production needs to be better. Yes, da duh. duh. Um, oh, relentless, pa- intense practice. Yeah, we we know who Dan Hurley is. Early starting five. Yes, we know it will be Newton, Spencer, Castle, Caravan, Klingon. Um, but the but the Solomon Ball one was the one that, like that's the one that keeps you coming back to old Johnny Boy. Yeah. Because a Katino Mobley, Deontay West impression is just so, so awesome. And if it becomes even remotely true his freshman year, again, it changes the trajectory of this team because there's not much asked of him beyond providing some backup minutes behind Newton, behind Diara, behind Castle, behind Spencer. You know, the, the guard... Rotation is set. So if you're telling me there's a guy that's pushing them, it almost becomes a factor of, okay, which one of those guys can you slide over and small forward? Are you going to play some small ball here? No Mm -hmm. pun intended with solo ball. Um, So that's great. But the other person that I have heard just through whisperings on the interwebs and he wasn't able to do, to play in the open scrimmage, is Jalen Stewart. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There are rumors going around on Twitter. I'm not going to call it X, by the way. There are rumors on Twitter that he is an instant bucket, ready to play, and can give UConn a little bit of what Caraban gave as the stretch four guy coming off the bench. Now, granted, Caraban started, but if he can bring that type of weapon to the bench space the floor, hit a couple of threes and maybe say Solomon ball or some one of the starting five hanging back on that bench to be kind of the focal point to be the offense that you play around there is your 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 kind of cohesive unit of a team because what does worry me is that you look at diara ball ross stewart and samson johnson nobody can really create their own shot Yeah. so early predictions have me saying like they're going to grab someone like spencer someone like newton and and, and kind of stagger them so that you can get some guy who can create their own shot because the the rest of those pieces do fit but they're not really ready to create on their own yet
0: yeah i i do have concerns about the bench situation. Maybe it's going to be a slightly tighter rotation, but again, thinking about what made the team succeed last year, it was having a lot of depth. It was having a few different guys who could be that scoring guard, who could be some sort of, um, you know, a, a version of Jordan Hawkins or a version of, uh, you know, something if if need be. I I you know you you mentioned kind of those uh, those names N- nobody's that proven on that on that list there the way even a Joey Calcaterra for for however low his you know his points per game was or
1: Naheem Aline. when we I'm knew Naheem like Aline had turned the corner in February you knew exactly what he was going to give you
0: right so so I I would like more experience there I do think Cam Spencer does bring that, you know, experience level, that veteran presence. And, but then the team is, is also kind of really looking for that. I mean, what Alex Caraban, uh, because, because he had a redshirt season, you can kind of loosely call a veteran. He's, he's a red shirt sophomore, Donovan Klingon, because he's a tall guy from Connecticut who, who, you know, uh, is, is expected to be a, a major player, uh, but Um, and then Tristan Newton playing in a, in a different kind of role, which I think also is part of the upside of this team, the benefits of the continuity, you know, all of that, which is that you do kind of feel like, even though there's, there's been continuity in the coaching staff, plenty of returning talent, there still is a lot of change, right? The starting lineup is going to look a lot different. And uh, that's going to be an adjustment. And then if bench depth is also lower uh, or or maybe more questionable, we shall see. Maybe it's that Hurley does have really strong assessments of these freshmen and, and believe that they can fit into these roles. And it's a good place to put a talented freshman at a place like UConn. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the case. We shall see. Uh, I don't know.
1: One other rumbling that I had heard about the freshmen, and this isn't to say that they're going to come out here and light the world on fire, but they look physically ready. Mm. I think back to when Samson Johnson and Razul Diggins were coming in here, they didn't look like college players. They needed another year in the weight room to to get up to that level and, and, and endure the physicality from, again, secondhand sources saying, these guys look the part they have not the attitude but they they're not phased by the step up in the pace in the physicality and the athleticism um, because i it, hopefully if you're listening to this you've seen the highlights of solomon ball you've seen the jaden ross highlights those two are freak not freak athletes but they are very 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 athletic and then you add jalen Stewart who is more of like the hooper, you know, the bucket getter kind of guy. Uh, you can throw in Yusuf Singari and say, he is also very athletic and very freaking tall. And then you obviously have Castle. So all of those components, the consistency there is that like, they have something that can get them on the court
0: mm-hmm.
1: early, earlier than a freshman can be expected to, to, to contribute. So it's going to be, you know, and thank God this coaching staff is on what year, three, year four together. And if there's one thing I want UConn fans just to be thankful for in this rebirth of the last three years is that this coaching staff, they seem to, they like each other. They're throwing out Rocky tweets when we get new recruits and we'll tap into that later. Um, 100% 100% to someone like Luke Murray or Kamani Young deserve a head coaching job? But until then, the same way that I, I don't think UConn fans appreciated Andre Jackson enough, we need to appreciate this coaching staff because they seem to be firing on all cylinders from a recruiting standpoint, from a talent development standpoint. Uh, that big four between Tom Moore, Kamani, Hurley, Hurley and Murray in no particular order absolute studs all four of them and it's so rare you see that in the college game so and then the only other thing I wanted to mention as far as like the current storylines to watch and it's a hot take I know but I Rothstein's report that Klingon weight got up to 285 that worries me a little bit he was so effective with his mobility that's you know we knew he was tall what surprised us most most was his ability to navigate the paint and be in the right spot that comes with footwork that comes with athleticism. No one realized how fucking athletic he was. You pack on more pounds of muscle. You then care more towards just big and lumbering. And there's a reason why people are saying Klingon is already better than someone like Zach Eady because of that athleticism and that mobility The closer you get to that Zach Eady weight, the more you look like that really, really large dude in those senior year videos of Bristol Catholic, just kind of like he looked slow. So you have to hope that he is putting on that 285 and he's maintaining his athleticism. He's maintaining his foot speed and his basketball IQ, of which he flashed so much of that his freshman year because... He did have the ideal situation of coming in for only 14, 15 minutes. If he picks up one stupid foul, that's okay. Keep playing. You're fine. Even two fouls. Okay. Bring in Adama Sunogo. Now, if he's playing those sustained minutes and that 285-pound body's getting really tired and he picks up a stupid third foul, that, tra- that changes the entire course of a game. And that is what worries me most about Klingon is he will have that production. I'm worried about the sustainability.
0: Right. The big thing for him is does he have the the stamina to play that, you know, 20 plus minutes that's that's needed of him as a as a starter in this situation? Can he maintain the level of performance he was having previously? And how can he handle the grind of of being a starter and banging in the big East with guys, you know, uh, with, with all of the starting centers of that league across, across the league. So I, I think we'll wait and see. I, we have got to trust the the staff and the uh, strength and conditioning. And hopefully that one number is not indicative of the whole thing there. Um,
1: For one more point of reference, looking up the weight and I, and I, Really shouldn't be weight shaming on on this podcast, yeah, this and I, that that is, that is not what I'm doing. um Walker Kessler, who I think is the most accurate comparison for Klingon as far as very tall basketball players, he's at 245 right now. Oh. So would love to 24. see that 265. Yeah, maybe that's a little too skinny, but like you know, 265 seems like the sweet spot there to maintain his athleticism. But hey. I had just gone on a five minute rant about how much I love this coaching staff. If the coaching staff wants him back up at 285. They clearly know what they're talking about. And that's one of even mentioning the fact that his three point stroke looks really, really good.
0: Yeah, no, he, his, his shooting looks good. And that brings a crazy element if you've got your 7 2 guy able to hit the occasional three. And I think it's going to do, just in general, I think the team's going to have really great spacing seems like spencer castle newton caravan all capable that they are all capable three-point shooters so that's something that i'm really excited about as it relates to this team i think alex caravan's uh sophomore leap is also something that we really have to think about he's got uh, he's got all the tools. He's working really, really hard. They're saying no one's in the gym more than Alex Caravan. I am not. I am not making that up. That was let's go. That's- that Alex Caravan, uh, You know, multiple people saying no one's in the gym more than him. He's gonna
1: come um, in looking like the Punisher.
0: <laughs> he's gonna come in looking like Ed Nelson. <laughs> no, we wouldn't want that. That would obviously be uh, too much. But uh, I, I think. His, you know increased seeing seeing a more assertive Alex Caravan is a very exciting uh, thing to look forward to with this season. And I have to say, cam Spencer, man, what a what a really strong seeming fit as well to to add to the team out of the transfer portal. Kind of like your analogy for Tristan Newton last year, I think Spencer, uh, fills a lot of things that UConn was missing, including, you know, veteran, uh, you know, a veteran presence and and playmaking ability and just kind of being a dog. Uh, I, I think he It sounds like he brings all of those those components as well.
1: Watching Cam Spencer is going to want to make me play pickup basketball again. There you go. And, I, and that, that is the highest compliment I feel like you can ever give someone. He's gonna have that game. You you you're watching college basketball. You're watching people do things that you have that none of us will ever do. And Cam Spencer is going to, with limited athleticism or sneaky athleticism, is going oh, to be doing man. things.
0: Oh man!
1: That say like wow, ha- like just you know crafty, coach's son.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know lives in the gym all those things
0: you want to you want to know something really crafty about him and his family his his brother played college lacrosse and now plays in the g league nba g league Isn't that really crazy? yeah yeah
1: don't sleep on cam spencer in the uh 2024 draft
0: don't don't sleep on the spencer family yeah uh so yeah that's that's the fun little fact yeah that
1: also America. I I I soft launched this on Twitter to not a lot of response, <laughs> but crab cake Cami or Cami crab cakes.
0: Okay, okay, is
1: pretty good.
0: Yeah, crab cake. You know, having little to do with basketball is kind of the. You know, what's a crab cake? Is it a three pointer? Uh, a no, it doesn't. It doesn't.
1: Have, what does California have to do with basketball?
0: It's the vibe. It's the you know. It's the Joey California <sighs> vibe.
1: Well, so okay crab cakes are a vibe if you have a crab cake you are vibing
0: what's the vibe wealth no just Two really three pointers he hits a three really, pointer.
1: <laughs> really good really good crafty food
0: okay yeah food that's in the gym just first first one <laughs> last one out i'm i'm
1: gonna double down i, I i'm gonna make crab cabbie cam, eh, cami crab cakes
0: happen I wish you the best of luck. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. In other recruiting news, uh, we discussed next year's team and how things have shaped up there. Things are also looking quite promising for the 2024-25 squad and beyond. The Huskies got their first two verbal commitments. First from four-star wing Isaiah Abraham, and then from a point guard Ahmad Noel. I think uh, you know we are not. I am not going to pretend I I know where these guys stand compared to other 2024 high school seniors. I know that uh, you know Noel's about top 30 in the rankings by all of them. Abraham's about. 50 to 70 depending on on your source. So from my perspective, things are looking good. That's that's really promising. You like to see uh, really good high school players uh, excited to commit to UConn. I think with the freshman class that just came in and probably at least four of them staying, there's certainly a lot of talent to look forward to for the future. And it seems like Again, just to maybe read between the lines a little bit, both of these guys are absolute dogs. Uh, you know, particularly Noel, I think, you know, just described as a real competitor uh, on both ends of the court. He's not huge, he's six feet tall, um, but I think it uh, seems like two really great additions. And then when you put them two together in, in a class, seems like a really, really strong start and and a really, really strong class already, basically. Uh, For next year's high school, uh, so long as they do end up signing.
1: Hey, UConn has done well with six-foot guards. They've got three national championships, you know, spearheaded by six-foot guards. And yeah, you you made a good point. This recruiting class, you can almost look at it as twenty twenty-three A, because when you think you can add Noel Ball. Abraham slash um Stewart and then Caravan um and then Samson Johnson or singari or whatever, they all kind of fit together. And what Abraham is best described as when you read all these accounts is like a connector. He's the fourth or fifth, fifth best player on the best AAU team in the country by a wide margin. And he win- makes winning plays, can guard maybe one through five, we'll see. UConn um, you know, you kind of doesn't really have that at the moment. It, it's what was Andre Jackson's most underrated skill set, I think. He's not the facilitator that Andre Jackson is, and that's when you bring in Noel, who is the first like natural floor general that UConn has had since R.J. Cole. No disrespect to Tristan Newton. Tristan Newton is a point guard. I don't want to start to go down that road. But as far as pure table setters, that is Noel. And I've heard that he is an absolute demon at the point of attack on defense. So when you have these two junkyard dogs coming in and you supplement them with these skills of a Solomon Ball in year two, a Jalen Stewart in year two, and that is the makings of a very, very good class They will. They they, these aren't sexy names. They're not five stars. There's. They're not Stephen Castle type players. Um, you know you can go ahead and watch their YouTube highlights. You're not gonna come away saying, "Oh my God," you know. Can't wait to watch these guys put people on posters. That's not what they're gonna do. But they are going to be a part of very very successful UConn teams, and they seem like perfect appetizers towards a player like Patrick N- Ngongba or a Tyler Betsy from Connecticut that can be the the, the bucket getters of the class. N- N'gongba, or not, Ngongba looks to be like an Adama Sunogo 2.0. Sign me up for that. And there's enough potential with the rest of the class that these are the perfect connecting pieces that you start with. And the fact that they fit the Hurley mentality and you, like we said, you trust his coaching staff to say like, okay, is Isaiah Abraham a plus shooter in high school? Nah, but you can get him to respectable levels. Um, You know, is Ahmad Noel, you know, the most athletic person? No. Okay, we'll pair him with a Solomon ball and look at that backcourt right there. You know what does that backcourt lack? Not, you know, not much. And I guess I mean, do we want to talk about Cooper Flag? I no. Yeah, you're right. We do not. No, no we don't. Because listen, any, anyone sitting here expecting him to be the jewel of this 2024 class is delusional. I think the dude is going to Duke. He's got Duke written all over it. I mean, he just looks like a Duke player and that's okay like it's not the end of the world you know you can't be sitting here you know we they're this team is coming off a national championship they seem to be in the mix for every recruit they're targeting which i know i'm contradicting myself because you know Yukon is in the mix for Cooper Flag but you can't bank on a player like that that's not Yukon's identity yet they will grab a Stephen Castle every now and then to supplement this you don't want this oh we're going to grab the best player and everything type thing let's 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 not get there come on don't let's not deviate from what makes us or not what makes UConn basketball a step above the Dukes and the Kentuckys because they are the the developed people you know you get to know them you get to watch their growth and then they go make money so let's not, I'm not saying I'm going to say, you know, oh, I don't want Cooper flag. Oh, he's going to be a bust. If he's here, I'm thrilled. My jaw will be on the fucking floor. For sure. but un- until then, until you get some kind of reports, until he's on campus, can we just pump the brakes a little bit on this? Oh, it's going to be the greatest class ever. Or, you know, fab five, just guys, just chill. Enjoy what you have. You know, the grass is not always greener.
0: Exactly, and to your point, it's it, it was not ever built like this. We we have done all this without Cooper flags, and so uh, Cooper's flag, my bad. I agree with people. So I, I think I, I love these building block type type players. You know these these high four star guys who have that dog in them, who Dan Hurley and staff really like, which we know they have an eye for this uh, after what they did with Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins, and even Adama Sonogo to an extent. And these guys were huge recruiting wins. Isaiah, Isaiah Abraham is from the DMV, you know, which every single coach in the country is recruiting. And uh, Noel's from Philly. He's at Imhotep High School, a powerhouse athletic program. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna probably go check him out this, this winter. i same, same
1: high school as Rasul Diggins and Corey Floyd, if I or no, same AAU team as yeah,
0: probably AAU, yeah. Diggins um, and Floyd. There are definitely, uh, you know, guys who went to ImoTep football and basketball who you have heard of. I, you know, I'm not going to be able to get their names right this second. Uh, anyone who wants can feel free to at me. Uh, but anyway, you know, two two big recruiting wins in in markets that that UConn needs to do it. And the, you know, like you said with your with your lovely twenty twenty class of twenty twenty three pairings look at, look at all this talent that's being assembled at the guard at the wing. And it's kind of lining up to being like, okay, well, what's the, what's the future of the big man situation, which maybe that's, you know, what, what they're recruiting next in the class and which might also make, make some more sense. But at any rate, it's a tremendous sign of, of things. I, I think one of the biggest disappointments following the 2014 National championship is that UConn did not take advantage of it. UConn did not get the right kinds of wins on the recruiting trail that it needed to follow that up and gain and reap all of the benefits that come from winning a national championship. Part of that is being in the AAC. That is no longer the case. I also just think Hurley and staff have a really strong, really tight recruiting plan. I think more. Murray and Young know the area, the region the 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 key markets just you know they're they're spot on in those markets. they have really great relationships. and being in the Big East means that the recruiting will continue at a high level like this. I mean, I, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not thinking about Cooper Flag and the best class ever. I, you know that's I don't, I don't I don't ever care about you know winning that uh, recruiting class ranking. Uh, Besides wanting to you know know that Yukon has good players that that fit well and make sense. and so that's that's what we're seeing and uh, it's it's all smiles and optimism on, on the recruiting trail here right now.
1: Listen, I've been following I, I, there was a point in college and right after college where I was all over the recruiting trail following every single person that UConn was looking at, watching their highlights and think you know imagining their their fit at Yukon and I got burned every single time. do you know how many Josh Selby highlights I watched um or
0: Mamadou Diallo for me
1: yep mhm I, I yeah I that one hurt on a personal level uh, <laughs> because I can tell that story at, at another time but yeah, you, you, you work yourself up into a lather over these guys and it it just doesn't matter. So my rule that I've done, I think since, I think since Hurley came here was you don't watch a player's highlights in high school until they've committed, because then that frames things into like, how can, how can this person fit what UConn is trying to do? And having done that, I'm so impressed with what this coaching staff has been able to do. Like they have an actual plan. They're not just getting guys to say, Hey, I want to come to UConn or, Hey, you're a five-star and let's figure it out in camp. Mm-hmm. They have an actual strategy with what they're doing. And it made it so clear with these first two commitments of the summer, because I say Abraham is like a 19% three-point shooter. At first I'm like, well, what, what are we doing? And then you watch the highlights and you think of the roster and it's like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely what they need next year. And then you think, oh, wow, they need a floor general. Five days later, boom, null commits. And there there isn't plan. They are going out and picking each like we need this. It's like they're playing a game of operation. They're not casting a wide net like what Kevin Alley did and say like, hey, oh, wow, we caught a Daniel Hamilton. Great, like how does he fit in with Rodney Purvis and Jalen Adams? Not great. Um, you know, the, the, there's succession plans with each position and he, in styles of play. You know, there's going to be a lot more pick and roll this year because they're looking at Castle and Klingon as opposed to last year, which was more of a motion offense. You know, when Klingon leaves, watch they might get back. You know, into the motion stuff that that made UConn so good this year they They are there there just seems to be such a plan that like I think that you have to have a level head when watching all these recruiting battles and just say like, you, you, not not trust the staff because that takes away some of the fun of it. You always watch them and you always get excited. But just know that there is some higher level thinking going on. You don't want to say chess and checkers, but it really does look like that sometimes with with, with the way this staff is picking some of these guys.
0: Well, I I do think that coaches do fall into the trap of wanting to go after a higher ranked player or a set of higher ranked players than they did before and kind of losing their system or losing their, you know, kind of character filter or whatever else it may be. And and then the risks that that run with that. So and then you know again the the formula has worked for UConn. It's worked under previous coaches it's it's working really well under this one uh no need to challenge it and um yeah you know we we can go with names for for a really long time uh prince ali do you remember that name prince ali he ended yeah
1: he on- decommitted and went to UCLA. ucla
0: james aquino that's a that's a fun one he had a he ended up at a couple of schools
1: Well, that was that was what I noticed. Is was the biggest comparison to Ahmad Noel, was that he was a James Akinjo, Akinjo, Akinjo. Um, They're saying like
0: he was good. He was just uh, you know tough tough to play with.
1: Mm -hmm. But I just looked up flights to Barcelona. It ain't happening. It ain't happening from lowly Cincinnati. I got really excited at first because I pulled up Google. And the first thing, one that popped up was like 670. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to have to talk to my lady, but maybe I can make that work. And then i oh wait. No, I had the dates wrong. That was a month from now. Um, And I looked more towards like a Sunday, Thursday type thing. And oh, no. Oh, no. Sunday, Thursday, right now, $2,400. So if you go out there, Godspeed. But I'll be, uh, I'll be sitting this one out.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, we'll we'll get them on the next Europe trip.
1: Uh... And by the way, for the record, the last was it the last
0: two times?
1: Hold on, I had that stat here. What does it say? Um, the last foreign tour by a UConn's UConn men's team was a Thanksgiving week trip to London in November two thousand four, which followed a national championship season. Before that, they went to England and Israel in 98 uh, and then won the first program's first ever national national championship. So there's a lot of good juju going around. I'm excited. I can't wait to see. First of all, I've been loving the offseason videos from the team. I want to see Dan Hurley try to make paella. I heard that that they're taking a paella-making class because that is such a complicated dish. And, like, does he have the patience to do that, or is he just going to fling that thing against the wall? Um, can't wait to see, you know, Yusef Singare and Samson Johnson on the beaches of Monaco. I mean, it's going to be a, a fun thing to follow from afar, living vicariously through them, as we always do.
0: Yes, we'll, we'll be happy for the fellas out there in France and Barcelona. We wish them well. Uh, I hope I hope, like any college kid about to be in Monaco and Barcelona they are prepared to have as much fun as possible in those 24 hour windows that they receive and uh, with that blessing we will end this podcast thank you all for listening
1: au revoir